Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. We are in the middle of talking about the 18 Nehemiah principles in the back of the Life Guide for Men. Uh, we've been saying, and uh, I guess we'll continue to say, this is that special request of our friends in the Orlando Life Group, or one of the Orlando Life Groups that uh, came down to see us in Miami, and uh, we're glad that they suggested it, because well, I, uh, it's been uh, an interesting series, I think. Mark, I, what I like about it is it shows that we are listening. We invite the, the listeners to give us ideas and to uh, submit uh, triggers of the week ideas, and uh, we indeed are listening, and you can always submit your suggestions or thoughts or triggers of the week to us at info at faithfulandtrue.com, and we'll see if uh, we can find a good fit for it. Yeah, that's right. So we always are um, interested in the triggers of the week part because uh, we sometimes sit around on on Wednesdays and uh, ask ourselves, scratch our heads a little bit, talk to Debbie and Susie Schmidt, who's here, and uh, Sometimes the Tuesday Night Men's Group comes up with something, and uh, we'll have one of those later, I think, that uh, one of them suggested last night. And uh, But if you have one out there in the world, and certainly there's got to be hundreds of them out there, just let us know. Yeah, we invite you to submit that. Uh, Mark, we have worked our way uh, in this study up to Nehemiah Principle 9, which says accountability means preparing ahead of time for the attacks to come. Does that mean that after today we'll be halfway done? You know, math has always been one of your <laughs> strong one of my, suits. My strong suit. Yeah. And uh, there being 18 principles, and this is number nine, we are really close to halfway. We are really close to halfway done. Okay. Well, uh, the reason uh, that I bring that up, uh, you know, there's method to my uh, Cliff Clavin type of madness. Uh, the point about the story here is that. Nehemiah uh, and the work is progressing. In chapter 3, we saw how he divided up the work into various uh, smaller sections of the wall. And uh, so the the work has proceeded. And at this point in time, uh, the Bible tells us that kind of the work of the wall is about halfway done. So uh, there's the halfway thing. Do you get it? I do. And what I was just struck by as you were talking was the uh, immense... Uh, undertaking that rebuilding yeah. that wall had to have been well it had to involve you know hundreds and perhaps thousands of people that were involved in this i mean it was yeah a large huge project and uh, nehemiah had divided it up into smaller parts um, one of the points to remember from some of our earlier discussions is that the enemy is out there and the enemy is not wanting this to happen but the enemy has kind of assumed that nehemiah is not going to be any more successful than uh, his predecessors who have been trying to rebuild this thing for 140 years without any uh, accomplishment. So the fact that now Nehemiah is getting successful is is a new dynamic here to the enemy. Um, the enemy has been uh, teasing, taunting, ridiculing the Jews. Uh, we can see that throughout these early chapters. One of them, Tobias, says, what do these feeble Jews think they're doing? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, But now, you know, they're being successful. So we learn at this point that the enemy, the various tribes that hate the Jews around them, 
are, uh, are beginning to plot now to come against the project militarily, so they're, they're, they're going to attack. And uh, Nehemiah knows at this point that he needs to get ready. And uh, in verse 9, which is kind of the key verse here in the fourth chapter about this principle, uh, he says, from that point on, I stationed a guard day and night, uh, posting them by families at the weakest places of the wall. So uh, the principle here that is number nine is you know, you should know that the attack is going to come and uh, you should get ready for it. You should prepare for it ahead of time rather than waiting for the attack to start happening before you do something about it because that could be way too late. And this very much applies to our community of men uh, that we work with on a daily basis that uh, sooner or later that attack is going to come, you know, as you are uh, fighting the good fight on your healing journey. That's right. I think there's a a number of mistakes that men make. Uh, One of the big ones is that uh, I think they assume sometimes that after they've been successful for a time, it's, it's almost like they, they get the idea that Satan gives up on them. Right, and they can just shift into automatic pilot. That's right, and they, they don't need to think about preparation or they don't need to think about, you know, an attack that might come. My belief is that uh, the more successful we become, the more, the more Satan hates that. Right, and, uh, and the more bound and determined he's going to be to uh, disrupt us. That's right. Now, I don't want to be discouraging to any of our listeners. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I do want to be realistic that the spiritual warfare that's involved here, Satan is going to uh, step up the wall, now, or the attack. Now, one of the things that's interesting is uh, Nehemiah you know, posts guards at the weakest places of the wall. So I think uh, part of this principle uh, is to start figuring out what are the weakest places of your wall. And uh, We'll talk a little bit about that perhaps in uh, our second half uh, here in this broadcast. But whenever I tell this principle, I always uh, uh, tell one of my own stories that kind of convinced me of this point. And uh, it involves the time when I was uh, going out to California. I've mentioned this a lot because I'm a kind of compulsive name dropper without being able to drop names in this case. But this treatment center that I worked at treated a lot of rich and famous people, a lot of Hollywood stars, a lot of rock stars, a lot of uh, professional athletes and so forth. And uh, it was a really fascinating time. Uh, Back in the early 1980s, there was a movie that came out. I won't mention the name of the movie for obvious reasons. uh, But there was an actress in this movie that I just thought, you know, at the time when I first saw this movie was just an incredibly uh, beautiful actress. There is, in fact, kind of a love scene, sex type scene in the movie. And this is, of course, in the early 80s before I'm now in recovery. So, you know, I was, in fact, kind of, you know, looking for these kind of movies. Uh, But I know that for a time um, in the early 80s, I just became kind of uh, enraptured, so to speak, with this particular actress. Uh, We talk about fantasies and our thought life. And, you know, I, I just became a little bit preoccupied and I would, uh, you know, look for any movies that had her in it or any magazines that had pictures of her in it. And uh, that was what it was. And, uh, uh, of course, in 1987, that's when I got into recovery and went to treatment and, you know, started working on my thought life, taking every thought captive and all of that. And, uh, you know, I, I hadn't had the thoughts about this actress probably for 
at least 10 or 11 or 12 years, but now I'm, I'm out at this hospital. And remember, it, it treats uh, you know, the rich and famous, including Hollywood stars. So uh, one day I was asked to give a lecture to all the patients and their families. And uh, I get into the auditorium where this is taking place. And uh, guess who is sitting in the front row of the audience? There she was. There she was. In the flesh. In the flesh. And uh, she was, uh, you know, right in front of the podium. She was sitting, uh, like I said, right in the front row. Front and center, as they say. looking up at me. And I will say that God was helping out a little bit in that uh, she was in the hospital uh, detoxing from heroin addiction. And uh, when you're detoxing from heroin addiction, you know, you don't always look the best. So, I mean, she didn't look really quite like she did in the movie. Um, right. uh, uh, no makeup, no, um, you know, clothes. She hadn't just come from a Vogue cover shoot. No, she hadn't. So uh, she was looking a little emaciated and a little, you know, in trouble, which uh, she was. So, But nevertheless, uh, it was uh, a woman that I had been historically preoccupied uh, by. And I, you know, I think one of the points about this story is that at this point, this is like 1997, 1998. This is, this is 10 years into my recovery. I've got 10 years of sobriety, so you know, one would be tempted to think I am beyond temptation. I am beyond, you know, having any kind of problems. And uh, so Satan knows, of course, you know, my entire history, all the things that I was into and all the things that I was preoccupied with. And the weak parts of your wall. Uh, yeah, the weak parts of my wall. So who did he choose on that particular day to attack me with? Uh, that would be, you know, someone like this. Well, you know, that's not the total end of the story. Uh, uh, Satan gets pretty cunning, baffling, and powerful, as we say. Uh, so at the end of the lecture, this woman uh, comes up to the podium, and she uh, has a copy of my book, and uh, which she had purchased in the hospital bookstore because they were selling it there, and she wanted me to sign a copy. Uh, so she was, you know, looking at me and telling me, uh, you know, a lot of affirmations about the speech. So, you know, she was really appealing to that part of myself that, uh, you know, desires affirmation. And uh, I did sign the book, you know, and uh, handed it back to her. And when I handed it back to her, she handed a piece of paper to me uh, that actually had her room number on it. And uh, <clears throat> at this point... <clears throat> You know, let me say to the listeners, I, I think at this point I was probably strong enough to, not to do anything with that, but uh, I had prepared ahead in the sense that all the nurses, all the staff, all the administrators there at the hospital uh, knew my story, knew my boundaries, and uh, one of the nurses uh, had noticed, of course, that this woman had come up to me, and she'd actually seen her pass me a note. So she came over and... Uh, she said to the woman, it's time for you to go back to your room. It's time for you to get your meds and all this kind of stuff. So she interrupted the conversation before I had even had a chance to respond to it. And then the hospital administrator, the head of the whole program, came over, and he had seen what had happened too. And uh, he knew my story. He knew my boundaries. He knew my plan of uh, sobriety. And he said, uh, is there anything you'd like to give me, Mark? And I said, yeah, this piece of paper. <laughs> with that woman's room number on it. I don't need to know what her room number is. I don't need that piece of paper. And he simply said to me, you know, uh, maybe you and I tonight, we just need to go to a meeting. You know, at that point, back in those days, a 12-step meeting. And uh, he was a recovering alcoholic, So, and I'd been to any number of AA meetings. And so we went to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting together. And even though, you know, I'm not an alcoholic, but 
you know, I was in fellowship with other men who were being honest and, you know, it was, it was uh, not being alone in my hotel room thinking about, you know, what this woman had done. The point is that the whole hospital staff, before I, you know, went to work out there, I had pretty clearly laid out what needed to happen if, you know, there were any kind of uh, situations like this that would come up and the hospital staff knew how to step in. And that's, you know, one of the principles here. Part of my preparation was kind of assuming that at the time of the attack, I myself might not have been strong enough. Right. But I had prepared other people to help me, you know, in, in such occasions like that. And, and the plan that day worked. I didn't even have to think about it. You know? Well, you had perfectly planned for the time that that attack would come because you knew that sooner or later Satan was going to do his best right. to try and step in and, uh, and destroy your sobriety and, and your healing journey. Right. Mark, at this point, I'd like for us to take our quick break. Okay. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue on this principle, which is really a great one, Nehemiah Principle 9. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser. And this is the Men of Valor program. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, uh, Randy, as we said earlier in the broadcast, was given to me by one of the guys in the Tuesday night group. And uh, he was saying that over the Christmas holiday, he'd had a chance to go to one of our Timberwolves games, our, our professional basketball team here in uh, Minnesota. And uh, one of his friend's fathers had got the tickets, so they were sitting like four rows up above the court. And it was a great time, a great seat. And uh, I thought he was going to talk about the cheerleaders or something like that, but he said, no, the trigger was that there was a woman sitting right in front of him that had a T-shirt on it. Uh, she had a T-shirt on, and it wasn't about the revealing nature of the T-shirt. It was about the message that was on the back of the T-shirt, and uh, it was a sexually provocative kind of saying, and he said what it was. I don't think it's important to say what it was uh, to repeat it here on the air, but it was one of those things that would lead you to believe that uh, this young woman uh, might have been available or yeah, something. was like more than approachable. Was more than approachable. So, and I should say the guy who gave this to me is 23 years old, very attractive. And, uh, you know, in his old acting out days, might have done something with that. Uh, fortunately, he was with uh, his accountability partners or several of them at the basketball game. So there again, you know, he had gone into a public situation like that 
with support, which kind of confirms our principle. But the uh, trigger of the week technically is uh, kind of the provocative nature of what sayings, writings, and so forth, or you know, even sometimes the art content on, on uh, T-shirts. It's T-shirts and sayings, that well, kind of thing. And proving once again that you need to be on your toes at all times because uh, Satan does, uh, does approach you when you least expect it. Well, that is right. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, continue to marvel at that um, even after all these years of recovery that uh, there's nothing that Satan would like better than to bring down this ministry. Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, so I think all of us, you know, here need to be on guard. And Satan may attack us, you know, not just with sexual temptation, but, you know, he may attack us with uh, other crises, uh, like the one we've had here with a flood in our basement over the holidays. And, you know, um, he's going to attack us with sexual temptation, with discouragement, with health problems at times. Uh, he's going to do whatever he needs to do to uh, to bring us down. So uh, we need to uh, prepare in all things for that attack because uh, it is going to come. Great and effective trigger. Thanks for that. Let's return to our subject today, which is Nehemiah Principle 9. Accountability means preparing ahead of time for the attacks to come. Well, you know, and uh, that's what I was uh, alluding to earlier, that uh, the point about the fact that Nehemiah was uh, placing guards at the weakest places of the wall means that Nehemiah knew what the weak places of the wall were. Now, you know, with the wall, I suppose you could assume that it had to do with the height of the wall or the materials in the wall or, you know, the distance uh, this part of the wall was from the, you know, the central group of uh, defenders or something like that. If we apply this to uh, recovery, what it means, though, is that uh, we we also need to know what are the weakest places of our wall and uh, where are the greatest uh, possibilities of our uh, vulnerability. One of the things we talk about in this principle, therefore, is I think men, sometimes more than they would like to do in the early days of their recovery, really need to go over uh, the history of their acting out. And they really need to evaluate uh, historically what were some of the things that were their biggest temptations, what really caused them the most trouble. One of the parts of this is to uh, examine uh, your ritual and how did you get ready to act out? What uh, was the process of you know, going online, looking up websites, uh, going to various social media sites, uh, uh, obtaining pornography? Uh, what was your ritual for having affairs if you ever had affairs? You know, what did you do? Did you go to bars, go to gyms, go to various places where people gather? Did you have a banter? Did you have jokes? Did, did you, you know, what, what did you do to get yourself in a place that you would act out? I think this requires a lot of self-examination, and it requires getting sober sometimes to have the clarity of mind to go back and remember all the things that were a part of that. Well, speaking of of going back and remembering those things, I was interested to ask you, when you ran into all those years later, when you're in the center there in Los Angeles, and seeing that actress come in and sit front and center, did your mind take you back to the attractive, her attractiveness in that first movie? Well, sure it did. Yeah, you I know, mean, images of uh, her in the movie came back. Your first infatuations with her physically, yeah, you know, right. th- that's how, you know, those are the eyes that, that our mind chooses to use right. uh, when, when thinking of her or seeing her, right. not, not the person who's struggling in a rehab center. Right. Well, and then the, the other thing that I think came back to me was 
what was the dialogue, so to speak, the banter? Uh, some might call it, uh, obviously, flirtation. What was I tempted to say to her that might have contained uh, even some uh, sexual humor yes, in it? Uh, suggestiveness, yeah. yeah. Like, for example, I could have said to her, you know, I really enjoyed you in, in. such and such a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was really a fine performance or you know, whatever I could have said, uh, to engage her in ongoing conversation, to keep it going. And uh, that historically was some of my uh, ritual uh, in terms of connecting with other women. Uh, it all started with a conversation. I mean, it yeah. doesn't ever start with just meeting somebody and then starting to have sex with them. I mean, it, it continues in the ritual with some level of teasing, flirtation, joking, sexual humor, provocative type statements, looks, and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, you know, as I prepare, I know that the, sometimes the weakest places of my wall is that I can be very social. And uh, that social part of me comes out and I can make connections pretty easily. So one of the ways, you know, I prepare ahead is to make sure that if I'm going into social situations, even around here, that, you know, I'm not going to engage in that kind of provocative, uh, sexually Yeah, you're not going to let you know, a conversation go down that alley. That's right. That's exactly it. And uh, I'm going to let other people know around me that uh, if they ever hear me or see me, you know, going off in that direction, that uh, they need to intervene on that uh, right away. Well, another point that you make here in the Life Guide for Men uh, that I appreciated under this principle is you say we must prepare in a time of strength for the times of weakness that are sure to come. That's right. That means the time of strength means that uh, that's when we're committed. That's when we're willing. That's when we want to be sober. And that's when we make the plans. That's when we make the preparation. That's when we, uh, you know, like, for example, one of the guys, when he was at uh, his Tuesday night meeting, said that he was going to be on a trip and he was going to be in a hotel room one night by himself. So when he's at the meeting, that's a time of strength. And uh, he processed with the group what he needed to do to make sure that he was safe in the hotel room. And several of the men volunteered to call him. And uh, we also suggested that he uh, do something about the TV in the room. And he said, you know, sometimes I'm too embarrassed to uh, mention this to the front desk that I'd like the TV taken out of the room or whatever. So one of the guys in the accountability group called and uh, on his behalf, pretending to be his personal secretary, which, you know, we're not particularly in favor of lies around here, but uh, he said he was his personal secretary, and uh, Mr. So-and-so would like the TV removed from his room. And, uh, of course, the front desk asked why, and he said, we don't have to explain to you why we, uh, why we need this. We give you a lot of business, and uh, uh, just do it. So that's what happened. He was preparing ahead of the trip in a time of strength with his accountability partners for a time of uh, possible weakness uh, in the future. And I guess partly what I'd like to say as we get toward the end of this today is, you know, don't underestimate how weak and lethargic and vulnerable and uh, maybe angry or rebellious, uh, you you know, we can still sometimes be even in our recovery. So, you know, uh, that's the the stuff you're guarding against because, you know, Satan is going to attack you at those places of greater vulnerability. Well, as you were just saying, uh, another point that, that you make under this principle is you say, don't wait for temptation, prepare for it, because it will come. It will come. Again, I don't want to scare anybody out there, but I, but I want to be realistic. The more successful you become, the more uh, your recovery reaches 
new heights, let's put it that way. Satan's going to hate that, and uh, he is going to find ways to try to trip you up. Well, here we are on the verge of you celebrating your 30th year right. mm-hmm. of recovery and sobriety, which is just a, just a wonderful landmark point yeah. uh, for you personally. So here's a person who's been in recovery for all of this time, and, and you know, um, thanks be to God for... Um, uh, enjoying the success that you've been having, but that is not to say that there haven't been all these temptations yeah. along the road. Well, that's why I wanted to use one of my own stories, right? Because uh, you know, I think sometimes the men they look at twenty-five years or thirty years and they say, "Well, you know, you've got you've this, got it made. You've got it made. You've got this beat." And uh, that's you know, that's simply something that uh, Satan hates. I mean, he hates one year. I mean, he hates one day. I mean, so he certainly doesn't like my length of recovery. He certainly doesn't like what we're doing here at Faithful and True. And uh, again, I just think for all of us around here, 2016 was kind of a year of some challenges. And uh, uh, we've come through those, and uh, God has been uh, uh, very gracious to us and provided us with some really godly people to help us with our flood problem, for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. And uh, Well, and what has amazed me is this was all time sensitive. Yeah. Tomorrow, at the time of this taping, tomorrow is the first day of our January three-day intensive Men of Valor workshop. Right. And so we were under the gun. We were underwater. Were. Yeah, we were <laughs> underwater. We were literally underwater yeah. uh, trying to get the center in uh, in shape to, to welcome this group that we've got coming in tomorrow. So God has just been miraculously good to us in this case. Uh, closing statements for our listeners regarding this principle. Well, like I usually like to say, uh, be of good courage. Uh, Make sure that you're following some of these other accountability principles and that you have uh, an army of accountability partners. Get them uh, to talk with you about this principle and just go over, how do I need to prepare? When I'm strong like right I am right now asking you these questions, you know, give me some help, be part of the solution. Be part of the, of, of the solution that's going to intervene on me if you see me at all even halfway approaching danger. Well, and as you say, it's not a case of um, if temptation comes. It's simply when temptation when will be coming. Going to come. We'd it. like to thank you for joining us today. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we appreciate you listening to our program. We hope that this coming week is a week for you that is filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.